As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. It is a Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendy, Sean McIndoe with you. Uh, coming up, we're going to tee up some games in the NHL that I think are pretty interesting on Thursday. A couple of ideas, too, from Darren Dreger that... Uh, he floated out on insider trading to kind of generate some buzz and excitement for the regular season next year. We're going to bat those around. Jesse Granger going to answer some mailbag questions. We got some mailbag questions, so we got a lot to get to. Uh, a couple things here. Now, look, I had heard a couple of days ago, Sean, that Ryan Reynolds was going to be back in Ottawa uh, this week. And sure enough, he's here today. He's just uh, hanging out with the Ottawa mayor, meeting with him. Uh, do I got to go into, like, full stalker mode here and try and... Uh, TMZ this thing and try to get like yeah. some sort of comment. From I mean, Ryan I, I, I assumed you just uh, shoot him a DM at this point and be like, you know, where are you at? What's uh, what's going on? Yeah, no, I like, think. Uh, I mean, you we got to at least get some grainy photos from you. I think, like the the Bigfoot style. Uh, yeah, looks uh, like some hey, guy like people be wearing like, sunglasses wow. and a and a <laughs> toque, and you know you're going. Is that like we just take that your, him? Take your word for it. Grainy photo. I'll, I'll use my daughter's old iPod Touch just to make yeah. it super, yeah, super exactly. grainy. Yeah. I'd offer to help, but I don't think I don't. I, you, I don't know how grainy you'd have to get for anyone to mistake me for uh, Ryan Reynolds. I don't. Uh, oh, I don't man. think that. Uh, I don't think that technology goes back that far. No, exactly. So anyway, a lot of buzz in Ottawa this week. Reynolds back in town. It, like this Ottawa Philadelphia game just got a whole lot more interesting. Like it, you know, I'm sure he's going to be in the arena. They're going to do the you, whole thing. Can you, you know? explain? Because I'm, I'm, I can't be the only one who's a little confused on the Ryan Reynolds thing. Because we all assumed when he his name first became associated with this, and he and it was sort of like he was floating out there, and we just said, okay, there's going to be a process. There's going to be a bidding war. Somebody's going to get the Senators, and then Ryan Reynolds will parachute in to that offer, but he's linked up with yeah. one specific group right now. So if that group doesn't get it, is that, is that it for Ryan? Like, is it take it or leave it? If you want Ryan Reynolds with the senators, it, that, that's gotta be the group. I, I don't think like, I don't think so, but I think like Gary Bettman got asked about that this week. And one of the things Gary said was, look, he's decided to join up with a bid and he wants to see it through. Now I think that left the door open that if another group gets the team that he would, he would have the opportunity to potentially move over with them. But I think what intrigued him the most about this is he, he connected with a, it's a large real estate firm in Toronto, the Remington Group, run by the Brady family. And I think, Sean, what really intrigues him is 
I think they've pretty much told him, not that you have carte blanche to run the hockey team, but they're not as, I think this group is more interested in the real estate play than the hockey team. And they're like, listen, you want to take over the hockey team? You can run it the way you want to run it. And I think that's really appealing to him. Whereas I think some of the other ownership groups maybe weren't as willing or open to maybe giving him uh, as much reign. So he's probably thinking, okay, well, I'll give it a go with this group. And if we get it, great. And if we don't, well, I'm sure I'll have some value to the other groups. That That's my wow. thought on I this. Boy, I'd, I'd love to pick the brains of Senators fans on that because everybody wants Ryan Reynolds involved. You know, he's, he's yeah. a celebrity, brings you some credibility, some fun factor. Absolutely. Do you want him running the team? Do you want him being the guy? Not that he's going to be the GM, you know, picking up the phone and making trades, but do you want a celebrity in charge of your team? And how quickly does that go south if things, things aren't working well? Or do you say, you know what? Yeah, hell with it. Let's, let's go all in on this. Have some fun. Uh, they'd they'd be the most fascinating team in the league with a with a Hollywood star actually running the show. Yeah, I, I like I think that's the sense I get is that he'd really like now. Obviously, he'll put people in charge of hockey operations and and business and all that, but he would be the guy I think at the very top of the hockey uh, slash business model. I think and and really try and create the vision for this thing. I, I think that's what appeals to him the most is. Um, is the idea that he can help, I guess, shape the narrative around the team, and I, I think he would have more flexibility to do that with this group. But but it's 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 been a weird week. Like all week, different groups have come in, and they've met with, uh, you know, either the city officials or they're at the game. They're taking tours. Like we'll be at practice. You walk around, looking around. And there's like a group just walking around. You're like, that could be the new owners. Like it's just. It's so weird. And, you know, the one question, like Gary Bettman came in the, uh, to, to Ottawa this week and he did a press conference and I asked him and he, and, you know, Gary's Gary. So he kind of, kind of dodged the question, but I said, look, like you've overseen so many franchise sales in 30 years. In fact, I looked it up, Sean, the only teams that haven't changed hands in ownership, obviously there's been expansion teams, but it's only four teams, Detroit, Boston, Chicago, and Calgary that haven't really gone outside the family ownership. So he, this Gary Bettman has seen, I think, two dozen ownership changes, expansion, all of that. I said, like, have you ever seen a process like this? And he was like, wow, this is, I, he was like, this is one of the most robust, pro-, you know how he speaks, right? It was something mm -hmm. like that. But let me ask you this question. Like, most of these sales of NHL teams, like, they kind of happen in a shroud of secrecy, right? And then all of a sudden you find out a team's been sold. Have you, do you ever remember... A team being like, it feels like they're being like on a freaking auction block here. And it's yeah. like a public thing. Like, do you recall any NHL team being sold in this particular manner? Not, not really. And I, and I think it's, it's the circumstances, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, what we typically see is there'll be rumors kind of out there. Oh, you know, maybe this team might be on the block and maybe the, then it gets denied. And, and it's, it all happens behind the scenes when you have the the owner of a team pass away and it's a situation where it it doesn't seem like there's uh like it's likely to 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 have the team stay with the the family the estate what have you um everybody knows that this team is being sold like i mean there's there's no there's no denying there's no pretending otherwise so um yeah i mean you don't see it I, to to some extent i mean we're seeing something a little bit similar play out in the nfl right now with the Washington team, right? Yeah. Where it's, it's you know, Dan, Daniel Snyder is to some extent being forced out. Some, you know, some would say he is and, you know, some maybe not. Um, so different set of circumstances, but you're seeing this big bidding war come in and everybody's coming in and out. So it's, it's been interesting. It's, it's, it's been, it's been fun to watch. I, I gotta say, Gary Bettman has not returned my calls yet. Um, you know, my, I, I don't know. I, I didn't get an email. I didn't even get an auto reply. So I'm a little bummed out about that. I don't know if like they're saving me to come in at the end, but I sent them all the details, like how, you know, my, my fantasy teams have been doing and, and all of that. But so far I haven't heard anything back, but you know, still got my fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that Ottawa, Philadelphia Thursday night, like I said, pretty sure Ryan Reynolds is going to be in attendance. One of a handful of games in the league on, on Thursday. We got Devils Rangers Thursday night, Sean, in mm -hmm. what feels like is a, you know, well, it's certainly not a lock. I mean, Devils or 
to some extent, Rangers could still win the division. But look, we could get a potential first-round playoff preview Thursday night. Now, as you look at this, the Devils are ahead of the Rangers in the standings. Is there any, even if the Devils have home ice advantage, is there any scenario where they're not the like the definitive underdog in that series? I think it depends on how how you you what you view as definitive. I mean, put it this way: you're right. Right now, as we're recording this, the Devils are up. I believe if the Rangers win the game tonight, they move into a tie and they have the tiebreaker, so they they would move ahead of uh, of the Devils potentially if they win in regulation. Um, I, let's put it this way. Even if the Devils have home ice, and maybe even especially if the Devils have home ice, when everyone's filling out their brackets, nobody ever goes just goes to chalk, right? Everybody always has to pick a few upsets. I feel like this is gonna be one of those series where you you look at you, you know, we we put out our here's our staff picks, or you know, you'll see like the NHL, here's how everyone filled out their brackets. You're gonna see people picking the Rangers as the favorite here. Now, you know, a, definitively is you know is is anybody out here going like oh this is going to be a sweep this is going to be a five games nice and, and easy for the rangers i don't think that at all and certainly plenty of us have have probably lost the right to have much credibility about the devils uh because we didn't see the season that they're having coming so why wouldn't they surprise us again but i i mean the rangers are playing so well right now they loaded up at the deadline they've got the best goaltending in in the series, maybe the best goaltending period, you could argue, but but certainly they're going to have a, a major advantage there. Yeah, I'm 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 picking the Rangers over the Devils, home ice or not. Uh, you know, if if they if they meet in the first round, uh, and I I know I'm not going to be alone, and I might be surprised at how uh, how tilted it gets um, once we once we see what those numbers look like. Yeah, it's, and it's going to be so much fun, right? Like we go back yeah. to the, that great playoff series. Uh, in '94, this will obviously not be an Eastern Conference Final, but a but a first round playoff matchup. But you just you think to yourself like how good it is for those old kind of Patrick division. Anytime you get the anybody who used to play each other in the Adams Patrick Smythe playing again, it's just awesome. Like for yeah. the, for, for, and, and for the game, you know right? that you you go back to you know obviously you you think of the '94 series of these two teams, which was um, you know not just the the series that that put the Rangers into the into the final that they of course they win their their only Stanley Cup of the last eighty years but it almost felt like the turning point for the Devils too because of course by the next year the Devils go out and they you know they start winning Stanley Cups and and the Rangers fade a little bit and now the Devils have finally moved past and now they're uh, you know they're they're at least on the ice they're the big team out of the the group the Islanders are are fading as well and and now it's sort of you, you know. Even though the standings would say these two teams are are going to be close to a pick'em, it feels like the Devils are back to that scrappy underdog, right? I mean, this is uh, you know it's not quite the John McClain years where they'd never made the playoffs and it was you know it was a miracle to even see them in the postseason. But this is the team they've been bad for years, weren't expected to to necessarily make this big jump this year. Uh, and here's the Ray, you know, the Rangers kind of gone back to their old ways, collecting all the stars, all the big names, you know, and and, and all of that. Uh, it's it's going to have that fun dynamic. And, uh, you know, you know, Devils fans are going to embrace that. And boy, especially when the predictions come out and you see that, you know, geez, three quarters of the experts at the Athletic think the Rangers are going to win. Well, you know, here we go again. Nobody believes in us. That's a fun card to play uh, when you got a playoff team, especially if it's a real good team like the Devils are. You know, it's it's funny. I haven't thought of John McClain in years, and I think if you say the name John McClain to the average person, what are they going to think of? They're going to think of Die Hard, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. in, that, in that, I feel like we didn't appreciate that enough at the time. Like it would yep. be, it would almost be like if today there was like a regular thirty goal score in the NHL named like like John Wick. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah, John Wick. You know, a few years later, we had Tim Taylor, and we all made home improvement jokes. But where were the, uh, you know, where were the diehard puns back when when John McClane was dragging that team into uh, into the playoffs? Or uh, you know, the other thing uh, that he's known for uh, getting fired like thirty games into his coaching career, I guess, would be the other. uh, And was John McClane the coach? Was he fired like around Christmas time? Yeah, yeah. Like, and that like it's the whole debate about. (laughs) <laughs> die hard in the Christmas movie and then the guy gets fired at Christmas time. Yeah, there it is. I, Jeez. You know, I think what this all comes down to is we need a, 
Die Hard remake with Lou Lamarillo as the bad guy. And I think that's, uh, you know, oh. it's, it's got to be done. I feel like it's Lou would hot. embrace that. Hans Gruber is uh, is Lou Lamorello. Yeah, oh, instead man. of like uh, you know taking over a building and uh, explosions and all that, it would just be you know he's somebody has grown out their sideburns and uh, you know, <laughs> exactly. Lou's got Somebody's got grown a mustache. Up. Yeah, for Movember, <laughs> Lou won't and, have it. Uh, yeah, Lou's not okay. So Devils Rangers Thursday first round playoff preview. Jackets Bruins now. I'm not the type of guy, I, I very rarely ever, I mean, listen, I'm in, I'm in football pools, whatever. I don't ever bet on single, single games, ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm happy to say that. I'm, whatever, that's just not my, my thing. Boy, Columbus, Bo- Boston, does it not feel like the classic game where the Jackets will find a way to win three to two or something? Yeah, it absolutely could. I mean, fans of the Blue Jackets are hoping you're wrong. Uh because uh, you know we we all know they're look they've been looking at the lottery odds more than anything for the last little while. But yeah, it, it, it's uh, it always happens anytime uh, you see these really tilted lines, and it's I mean it's confirmation bias, right? Because it's not every time, but it it seems to happen enough that uh, you yeah. see these these things come out. Now the Bruins, in theory, have something to play for. I saw the you know I think they clinched the President's Trophy tonight, or they can, um, depending on on how everything plays out. But let's face it, they've got nothing to play for. We all know they're going to be the one seed. We all know they're going to um, they're going to they're going to win the President's Trophy. And we all know that nobody cares who wins the President's Trophy. So um, you know I don't think they're they're out there worried too much about that. Could absolutely be one of those scenarios where they, uh, uh, you know, they they go out there, take it a little bit too easy. Columbus gets one of those fake wins that the bad teams get down the stretch. Yeah. That, you know, they spend all summer talking about like, oh, you know, if we could just keep that momentum going and then it never, ever happens. Um, yeah, a- absolutely. This uh, this could be one of those games. The Boston Bruins, as I look at, at the lines on this game, are two and a half goal favorites. Wow. Um, you don't see that very often. At all. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I don't know. Have I ever seen that? Have you ever? I don't, I don't know. I'm sure I, maybe it, it's happened. Yeah, we've, we've definitely seen some. Uh, I, I'm sure we've seen it before, but I, I would wonder what that what that translates to on the line because, uh, yeah, they, it's happened a few times this year. And, and you know, again, the, the Connor Bedard dynamic hangs over all of this for for why we're seeing some teams be as bad as they are. But, yeah, we've, we've seen some really tilted lines. Um and, uh, and, and also with scoring being up a little bit, you, you have a little bit more room to, to maybe give the, the favorite a little bit more, uh, uh, more of a spread. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm not out there betting on single games, but, uh, yeah, this, this one, put it this way. I wouldn't be putting money on the Bruins. I'm not, I'm not putting no. down my 20 bucks to win, to win, uh, <laughs> to win 250, uh, uh, without worrying that uh, Columbus is gonna is gonna surprise us. Yeah. So the Bruins, like you said, on on the precipice of uh, of winning the President's Trophy, uh, just a you know historic season. They could flirt with the the wins and points record in a single regular season. Connor McDavid, meanwhile, is uh, closing in on 150 points. I know Dom Lushishin tackled this in his 16 uh, kind of stats column. On Thursday, let me ask you this question: What what's what's the more impressive gap for you, Sean? Is it the Bruins and the rest of the pack in the NHL, or is it Connor McDavid and everybody else in the scoring race? I I mean, for me, it's the Bruins, and that is largely because at this point, I've given up on trying to put limits on Connor McDavid. Um, you know, not, we need the Mean if, Girls. Uh, Mean Girls meme of the limit does not exist. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That's it's what we uh, need. It, it 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 it's pretty much that, and in a way that that's unfair to him. Like I, this is just me taking him for uh, for granted at this point. I'm I'm just there is it almost feels like there's nothing he can do that would that would shock me anymore. Um, I just sit back and enjoy the hell out of uh, out of the fact that we get to watch this guy in his prime, um, whereas. You know, for the for the Bruins to be doing what they're doing, not only is it it's unexpected. Look, I mean, I don't think anyone picked the Bruins to be the the best team in the league heading into the season. In fact, there were people picking them to maybe even miss the playoffs. Uh, so it's it's been a shock in that sense. But also, just you know, what they're doing in the parity era, 
to uh, you know, I I think the the same thing I that I saw about them winning the president's trophy. They would be something like only the fourth team to clinch the president's trophy. Um, before the 75 game mark of the season. And I don't know who the other teams were, but I'm guessing at least a few of them would have been, uh, you know, from the 70s, 80s, 90s, back when it was much more common to have these powerhouse teams. This isn't supposed to be possible anymore. And obviously we did see it to some extent a couple years ago with the Lightning. Um, but to, to see a team just run away with things uh, in this era... Uh, where everything, it, it, there's just this magnet in the mushy middle of the standings pulling everyone towards it. Uh, it's it's really impressive and and astounding that they've they've been able to do it and, and to just to keep this going all season long, uh, start to finish is, has just been ridiculously impressive. Yeah, I don't know. Part of me is 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 more on the McD- and I know what you're saying in terms of like you know you almost have to suspend your. Uh, beliefs or whatever for McDavid, but like, like he's up by almost 30 points on dry saddle and he's going to push past 150 in all likelihood. Like these are numbers that I don't know. I think a couple of years ago, um, uh, where I think a couple of years ago, we thought, ah, no one will ever get to 150 ever again. Yeah. And he's going to, and I don't know. It's it's amazing. And it's, and yeah, and it's, you know, a lot of people have made this point. Nobody's paying any attention to an amazing season that Leon Dreisaitl is having. And I saw somebody the other day ask if if Ryan Nugent Hopkins is about to have the mo- the quietest 100-point season that we've ever seen. And yeah, certainly in this era, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty ridiculous that uh, he's having an absolute career year. And yet uh, it's all overshadowed by, by what Connor McDavid is doing. Man, that, that Oilers team, that team is scary. That team is scary good. I, I thought I was high on them, and um, this this I had a smart person this week tell me you're not high enough on this team. Um, they are uh, they are really really scary, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm starting to tilt in that direction. Okay, one other thing I wanted to hit on before we bring uh, Jesse Granger in, Darren Dreger. Insider trading this week, Sean, Dregs floats out uh, an interesting concept for the NHL. They're talking about how can we make the regular season more engaging and fun and whatever, okay? So a couple of ideas uh, floated out by Darren Dreger this week on TSN's uh, Insider Trading. Uh, Sean, Dreg says, we could see a weekday next season where all 32 teams are playing on the same day, early in the regular season, and... He says part of this might be they want to potentially set a record for continuous running games, meaning this would this could potentially run in conjunction when they're playing the global series in Europe and then you work in the North American time zones. He says you could basically have 24 hours in a row of hockey, NHL hockey. Um, like this idea, hate this idea, somewhere in between. Hey. I like it. I mean, I, it's it's creative. It's different, and I'm always, you know, look. I, I've I've made the case before, and I'm certainly not the only one that this this league tends to be a little too stuck in its ways, a little too reluctant to try new things. So I, I'm I'm cool with them doing something different. Um, I like the idea. I, I like you know, especially the you know stretching it all out. Um, I, I'll be very honest when when he first said. Yeah, they're going to have all the teams play on the same night. I was like, yeah, we've done that. But I guess we've done it on Saturdays is is more of the thing. So this would be do it during the week. I I, I don't know. I, I know whenever there's a lot of games going on at the same time, um, there's always a lot of complaining about the, you know, the start times aren't staggered and, you know, everything is. So I guess that would address this. I, I still feel like that's more of a, I think there's a very small sliver of us which is media and some real super fans that that want to watch all the teams and get upset when they don't stagger everything for us. I still think 99% of hockey fans are fans of their team and you know they're not overly interested in what else is going on somewhere else. But but this would be kind of a neat thing. Um yeah, give it a give it a try. I mean, would it work? Eh, not necessarily, but we said the same thing about outdoor games and that ended up working great. Maybe this becomes a new thing, new tradition. Uh, give it a shot. What's what's the harm in trying? Yeah, I, I, but but it's interesting when and Dreger says they're going to do this on a weekday. But 
I don't know. Like, if you're going to do a 24-hour nonstop hockey, would the weekend not be better? Like, just in terms of our viewing habits and abilities to watch? Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, it, it, you would think it would. Uh, I guess it would depend, you know, kind of what day you pick. Because obviously, if you're, you know, in order to do this, you that means you need some teams playing afternoon games. And, you know, some teams are going to say, hey, I don't, I don't want to be selling tickets at 1 o'clock on a school day. But some teams do do that sometimes and they, you know, they yeah. turn it into a whole thing, right? It's bring the kids to the game. You know, you get, you know, sell packages to schools and, uh, you know, a bunch of buses pull up and it's, it's that kind of fun day. Um, yeah, you could, you could absolutely do it that way. I, I do wonder if it's, if it's almost like two ideas. One is let's stretch it all out and that probably does work better on the weekend. And the other is let's have all 32 teams going, like even, even at the same time, like that would be the other way to do it is to say like pure chaos, seven o'clock. Eastern time, go. Every we're gonna have 16 games going at the exact same time, and it's just gonna be madness. It's gonna be a total fire hose of hockey for uh for two and a half hours. Um, and uh and then and then every single game would go to intermission at the exact same time, and we'd all be yeah. uh, we'd all be annoyed. They'd all be on commercial break. It, I mean, I mean, maybe we can get the ultimate modern NHL moment. Do you think we could get 16 offside reviews all happening oh, at the exact same moment? Just just flipping through the channel, it's just nothing but uh, you know coaches looking at iPads and uh, officials all huddled together. Oh, that would be exciting. This, this is a legitimate question and probably one that like uh, Mike Russo or LeBron, maybe they've gotten to the bottom of this. But on a really busy night in the NHL, what's the maximum number of reviews the room yeah. in Toronto can handle at once? Like, what if, like, okay, let's say there's a busy Saturday night, there's 13 games and nine are at the same time and they're all going, and five of them, for whatever reason, all have video review for offside, goalie interference, whatever. Could they handle them all simultaneously? I guess, right? I I, I don't know that they could because I've been in that room. Now, this was a while ago. This was, like, I want to say 2015, maybe. I got uh, I got invited to, like, go to the room where they where they look at all this stuff and sort of see how it how it works. Um, and I, I don't remember how many screens there were, but I don't, there weren't 16, I don't think, or at least not 16 big ones. And there weren't 16 people in the room who could look at it all. So I, I actually do wonder what would happen if you got uh, a bit of a backlog there. I'm, I'm, I imagine when they know it's busy, they, they probably <laughs> load up for this, but, uh, yeah. What would happen if all 16 at the exact same moment came in? Would it be like the airport where it'd be like, you know, would the referee have to come on and be like, uh, you know, sorry, we're told we're number six in line for the review. Yeah. Uh, so everybody just sit tight and, uh, you know, we're going to get you on your way as soon as we can. But, uh, you know, until then, it just, uh, they just got to kind of circle around. Oh, there's no worse feeling when that pilot comes on uh, folks from the flight deck and you're like, yep. oh my God. The next yep. eight words out of your mouth. And then you see some other mood. plane coming and, like, and you're just like, who are those guys? You just hate those complete strangers more than anyone you've ever hated in your life. You're just going, what do they got that we don't? Yeah. You know, you know what I love too is like we, we now, we, now we ask ourselves mailbag questions like that. That sounded exactly <laughs> like a mailbag question. Hey, what yep. would happen if, uh, <laughs> if five video reviews happen simultaneously, right? Like, yeah. What's the maximum yeah. amount? And how do we make this happen? They, you know what this, you know what this sounds like to me. This sounds like the start of a heist movie. This is like, how do we get? <laughs> yes. What's the number that we would need to get that they would have to? You know, they're they're starting to use security cameras, and that's how you break into the NHL office. You break into and the steal FBI. The, no, sorry, the, the FBI. Yeah. The NHL. Yeah. Exactly. Going to steal something? I don't know. It's not Stanley Cup. That's in the Hall of Fame. But maybe they're all connected. There's there's something here. We can do this. We just we need somebody. At each, you know, everybody synchronize your watches, and you gotta you gotta kick a puck into the net at this exact moment and get all of their attention. But the, okay, then what's the thing that you're gonna like? You're 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 pulling off a heist here. Mm -hmm. You could you could steal anything from the NHL's, uh, you know, archives, library, whatever. What's the one thing you're taking? You know, uh, all I'm saying is I, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. Me and a group go into the NHL head office. That group leaves with a duffel bag that seems to be squirming a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's you go into Gary Bettman's office and it's, you know, Gary's looking, Gary's acting a little weird, but uh, it's, you know, is it me in a Mission Impossible mask? No way to know. There's no way to know. But, uh, you know, it probably, 
I'd have to I'd, I'd have to get Wish to help me with the Batman impression so that I could pull off the the phone calls. But uh, I, I feel like I could I could string that out for a week or two before people got really suspicious. Don't you think? <laughs> Man, that got dark. I was like I was thinking you're gonna like steal the Con Smythe trophy or something. You're like you're straight no. up switching yep. out the commissioner. That's right. That's Jeez. right. And and you know the fun thing would be the fans would figure it out first. But I feel like they wouldn't turn me in. I feel like there would be enough people who'd be like. Yeah. I know what's going on. Wait, is it Gary Bettman's not left-handed? What's going on? What's what's happening there? Um, you, 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 <laughs> if I could steal one thing from the NHL in this sort of heist scenario, I'd like to come in, you know, you drop in from the ceiling and, the, and you're yep. wearing all black, Mission sure. Impossible. I want the survey results of that yeah. survey when he's, you know, when he's like, we've I got bad news our for bed. you, buddy. I got, yeah. You're going to break into that safe room. You're going to open that safe and be like, it's empty. What's going yeah. on? <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. yeah, that's what I want. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, it's a Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, which means our pal Jesse Granger drops by for a little Granger things. Uh, brought to you by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner uh, with the athletic, you know, Sean, I remember, and somebody actually tweeted us about this. Remember, at some point, we said there's no way any NHL team's gonna have what was it, four games with four different goalies recording a win? Remember this? I I vaguely remember that. And I know yeah. somebody did tweet, and they they weren't sure if it was us or it, uh, uh, or it, Jeff or, Merrick, or, who's no, like it was the us. other the other guy who spends a lot of time uh, droning on about history. So yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, but here we are, and yeah. Vegas has just done it, right? Which is remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's it's it, one of those things where you look at the you 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 see the stat and you go, I couldn't be. I mean, a hundred plus years of the NHL, it's pretty tough to have anything brand new happen. But here we are. Yeah, four wins, four different goalies, four consecutive games, and uh, this is the perfect, this is what you call the marriage of everything. When Jesse Granger, who not only covers the Golden Knights, but is a goalie aficionado, this is everything. Everything is coming together perfectly. So, man, tell us what this has been like, Jesse, watching this goalie carousel play out in Vegas. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. It kind of reminds me of the first season. Um, the Golden Knights went through a bunch of goalies the first year. I think they were on their fifth string goalie that year also. Um, it's they're They're very fortunate that, the defense they play, um, I remember the day they hired Bruce Cassidy. Um, they brought him in for his introductory press conference, and he said, uh, my system is goalie friendly. And uh, you guys know me. When I heard that phrase, my I like lit up like, oh, what is that? So then the next time I got a one-on-one with him, I, I kind of talked it out and like, what do you mean by that? How do, how do you think? Why do you think that is? And everything he explained has basically happened this year. Um, he has his defense run a zone defense where they create a shell around the net and they'll let you possess the puck on the outsides of the zone, which is very different from what the Golden Knights had run for five years. I mean, the Golden Knights under Pete DeBoer and Gerard Gallant were very high pressure defense in terms like when you have the puck in their zone, they are constantly double teaming the puck. They're pressuring you. Their, their goal is to get that puck back as soon as possible. We don't want you having any possession in the zone, whereas Cassidy has kind of backed the defenseman off, backed the forwards off into a smaller area around the net. And if you want to possess it around the outsides of the zone, they'll let you do it all day long. And it does two things. One, it obviously limits the high danger chances from in the slot, which is what every defense in the league is trying to do. And the better you do that, 
the easier it is for your goalies. But to me, what it does that the old system didn't is it gives the goalies easy saves. Um, I would always say for the last few years, like with Flurry and Leonard, like the Golden Knights goalies don't get any easy saves. They get eight shots over the first half of the game and they're two of them are two on ones and there's a breakaway. It's like you don't get into a rhythm and it's kind of hard to say, well, we need to give up more shots so that our goalies can get into rhythm. You don't want that. But at the same time, this Cassidy system gives so many. I think the Golden Knights, their defensive metrics have dipped a little bit here in the last month. But for a while there, they were number one in high danger chances allowed. They've allowed the fewest. And they had allowed, I think, the fifth or sixth most low danger shots, which lets the goalie feel the puck early in the game. You're getting shots from the outside. All you have to do is control the rebounds as long as you're not giving up juicy rebounds in front. Um, obviously, you're getting shots from further away, so it should be easier to control those or deflect them into the corners. And it's made these goalies' lives really easy. They've kind of... Every night, it looks like it seems like there's another guy getting hurt. They're throwing another guy in there. Jonathan Quick, who had really struggled in L.A., comes in and plays much better than he had in the last few years. Um, even Yuri Patera, starting his first ever NHL game, a rookie that had played most of the season down in uh, the AHL, comes in and looked really strong in net. Um, Loren Bressois. He's been a career backup. He's never really been a number one guy. To me, he looks like the best goalie on this team right now. Just the, I mean, statistically, he's the best. The eye test for me, it's a very small sample. He's only played seven or eight games. But to me, he looks like the best goalie on the team. He's playing really well. This system is very conducive to good goaltending, I think. I've got to ask what I think is the obvious question on everyone's mind uh, with all these injuries. Where are you on the depth chart? And how long do we have to wait? Are we like one or two more injuries away? Is there like at least like a, an e-bug role in your future? What's going on? No, I, I think I'm probably like 40 or 50 injuries away. Hopefully we don't get to that point. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think I'm, I don't think I'm getting close on, on the Golden Knights depth chart. They'd be in trouble. But uh, it's <laughs> this team, they, they haven't had to start an emergency goalie. It's amazing considering what happened the first year and this year. They've at least the injuries have been spread out enough. Um, and like Logan Thompson, he had been, he'd missed six weeks. He comes back and couldn't even make it through one game. Um, third period of his first game back, he had to leave the game um, with an injury. He had to return to Vegas from the road trip. So they're, they're hoping they might get him back before the playoffs. Aiden Hills, another guy who's had a really good season for him. He, they're not so sure he hasn't even started skating yet. So he's still a ways out there. There are a lot of guys hurt um, right now. It's the Jonathan Quick and Loren Bressois show. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because you kind of answered. We had a, I actually had a couple of email questions for you from listeners. You, you you pretty much answered the one from listener Sean, who was asking like, how on earth are the Golden Knights able to do this with all the uh, you know rotation of goalies and all that? But here's one from Tom in Chicago for you, Jesse. Uh, Tom in Chicago wants to know with Jonathan Quick now on a divisional rival. I've got a question about goalies facing former teammates. They see each other every day in practice and for games uh, for years and years. So. When a longtime former goalie meets a longtime former teammate, who has the advantage as far as knowing each other's tendencies? Is it the goalie or the skater? Again, that's from Tom in Chicago. Yeah, this is a great question. I remember uh, year one talking to Marc-Andre Fleury about this quite a bit when he was going to face his, his Penguins teammates for the first time. And I think it definitely helps both. Um, obviously, they know each other well. The shooters know how to beat Flurry. They've done it in practice a million times. Flurry knows their tendencies, or in this situation, Jonathan Quick knows Anze Kopitar. He knows exactly what shot he likes to do. He knows kind of he's he's seen him pass it and shoot it enough to where he can kind of pick up on. Okay, he's going to pass this one. Okay, he's going to shoot this one. I think it helps both. If if you made me pick one, I think it helps the goalie a little more. And the reason for that is goalies are the ones reacting to the play. So a shooter isn't really reacting to what a goalie does. The shooters are dictating what the goalie has to react to. Um, so because the goalie is the one trying to read the shooter, I think it helps them more in terms of knowing some of their tendencies. And like just from my experience, obviously this is super low-level stuff, but I can say that in a men's league, I face the same guys over and over and over. Like even though there's 12 teams in the league, but I see the same guys night in and night out. I know their tendencies. When I go play a tournament in California or Arizona or wherever, and I face guys I've never seen before, it's much harder to read the shots. Like it, it's, it is a noticeable difference when you are not used to seeing the guys. So I would think that a guy like Jonathan Quick that's faced all these shooters in practice 
thousands of times over the last 10, 15 years. I, I would say he's got a slight advantage. I Yes, the shooters do have some ideas of how to beat him, but I just because the shooters aren't really reacting to the goalie, they're kind of just running their offense. I think I think it helps the, the goalie a little bit more. And is this, I mean, you, you kind of answered this, but this this is, again, like we get into this area where it's fascinating for me as a non-goalie uh, to try to get into your head. When you're in there and it's the middle of the game and everything's happening, buzzing around you so fast, are you aware of who everybody is on the other side? Like, is Jonathan Quick sitting there going, okay, that's Kopitar. You know, that's, a, I know everybody, you know, even as the puck's flying around, he knows everyone is like, if you pause the game in that moment and said, who is that? He would know right away. Like, yeah, I, I can tell you who that is in that split second that the puck might be on their stick. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. If 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 say the puck's in the corner, if you pause the game, blindfolded him and told him who's on the left point, I guarantee he could tell you who's on the left point, who's on the right point. And and especially when it's a rush, that's when you really when it when it's a rush and say it's Mm -hmm. a two on one, you know who the shooters are, you know who the playmakers are. When it's a two on one and you've got a guy coming down, you need to know who has the puck and who's on the backside because that's gonna usually that's gonna give you a lot of clues about what's about to happen on this play. Um, we we were joking. The Oilers played the Golden Knights the other night, and there was a two on one, and Drysidle had the puck, and it was uh, Matthias Yanmark over on the backside. Leon Drysidle didn't glance to the. St- there was there was the thought of passing it to Matthias Yanmark never crossed his mind as it shouldn't. Um, he he was shooting it the whole way. So yes, I I think knowing the knowing the personnel helps. And and again, you're trying to pick up all these things as like you said as the pucks flying around. Knowing all these guys and having practiced with them, it's you're not always going to see their face or their number. Sometimes you can tell just by the way a guy's skating, by the way he's standing, by where he's going. I think knowing all these players as well as a guy like Quick knows the Kings helps you identify who's on the ice and what they're doing and where they're going um, a lot easier. Awesome. Wait, listen, Jesse, we'll leave it there. It's great when we get email questions from uh, the listeners pertaining not only to the Golden Knights, but uh, about goaltending. Those are the, your, the two things you love talking about. So always great getting you on the Thursday pod. Uh, enjoy the week. And uh, we're, we're excited to see who who gets wins for the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights here in the next uh, next handful of games. Is Oscar Dansk still around? Maybe he'll come back. Uh, no, no. For I forgot where Oscar is. He, I just saw him on, on my Instagram the other day. He's, he's not with the Golden Knights organization anymore. All right. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thanks so much. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right. That was fun as always with uh, our pal Granger. Uh, let's open up the mailbag uh, emails to the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. You can always leave us a voicemail too. 845 445 8459. The emails here, Sean, we got one. uh, Let's read this one here from John in Wisconsin. John in Wisconsin writes in, love your podcasts. Uh, Thanks uh, for your hard work. My question for you guys is this. What's your favorite stat to check when you want to see if a skater is actually good defensively? Old school stats or advanced stats can both apply. I feel like it's the holy grail of hockey stats in that nobody has found the definitive defensive stat that's from john in wisconsin yeah i I would agree with that i because there isn't one stat that i check um 
and uh, you know uh, some of it is uh, you're going to look at things like usage you're going to look at penalty kill time although uh, you know people get into whether that uh, necessarily tells you who the best defensive players are um you know you're you're ultimately looking at the stats that are are possession based or derived from that and you get into like expected goals and stuff like that but the the trouble with that is you need some pretty big sample sizes to really draw meaningful conclusions from that so if you're gonna you know there, there isn't a stat that could tell you you know I, I could sit there and go hey man Connor mcdavid's been red hot offensively for the last two weeks oh how do you know well he's got 17 points in eight games okay you know that's in how do i tell you that somebody's been great defensively over a two-week span we don't really have that yet and and there's a lot of debate over whether we should be looking for single numbers uh or whether you know it's 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 got to be uh it, you know it's got to be a more nuanced look than that um you know i know as a you know as a baseball guy i love the the single number stats they have there like the war stats where you know and there's there's yeah. slightly different ways to get at them but i love that it works across eras and you know it it gives you a sense of who's doing what um and i really wish hockey had one and you know we're moving in that direction and dom's done some amazing work with with his stuff um we're just not quite there yet uh and then to then split it and and say okay but split it offensively and defensively you know there there are some numbers you go to hockey reference for example they have point shares that split offensively and defensively um that can be helpful that can be a good uh, yeah, I, I guess what I would say is a lot of the single numbers, they're good sanity checks. If you're sitting there going, man, I, I feel like this this Mark yeah. Stone guy is really good defensively. And then you go and you look and you say, okay, yeah, well, the number agrees with that. So maybe I'm onto something. But there isn't a number that would tell you, okay, Mark Stone is the seventh best. And I feel confident in saying that, um, that these six guys are ahead of him because it's it's just the, the number isn't doesn't doesn't get down to that level of granular detail that you'd really like to see. Yeah, no, it's 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 a great great way of explaining it. You're right. We just haven't quite nailed it down. And and, um, and people would argue over whether we can. And you know, I, I yeah, I made the mistake of comparing it to baseball. And immediately, I know there's people say, yeah, but baseball's different. Baseball is finite plays with a beginning and an end, and you know, they're all measured the same way. And 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 hockey is is not that. So it's it's challenging. Uh, we do, it, you know, it does feel like hockey is behind all the other sports. You know, football. As well, I mean, you look, you, you sit down, you read a Bill Barnwell column, you get a level of detail we don't have in hockey. Is that because we just, as a sport, are behind? Is it because of the nature of the sport? It's tough to say. I, I know that 10 years from now, we're going to have something that's much better than what we have now. Is it going to be that single all-in-one number? I don't know if we'll ever get there. Peter in San Diego has a hypothetical goalie question involving math. Maybe we should have let Granger stick around for this one. Anyway. Peter in San Diego says, stick with me here for a minute, but here's a scenario for you. Let's say a goalie is in net and there's an own goal scored by a teammate of his. Kind of like what happened with Patrick Laine a couple of years ago. My question is, does that actually register a shot on goal? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to assume that it doesn't. So I've got a scenario for you guys. Let's say an own goal happens right after the face-off to start a game. And the goalie, maybe he gets hurt. And for whatever reason, he leaves the game after that own goal that was accidentally scored in his own net by a teammate. Because there would be a goal against and not a shot against, what would that goalie save percentage be? Would it be negative infinity? Would it be undefined? What would it be? Please tell me you guys have an answer. It's been bugging me for a few days. That's from Peter in San Diego. This this feels like this isn't even a high. This is a math and philosophy question this is like an existential point. question about this, yeah, is, this is like a philosophy we're getting question in division by zero and and we do see it again i'll go back to baseball like this can happen in in baseball in a sense right where a pitcher can come in give up a home run get pulled and uh that's it. their their era can be infinity because they don't they yep. you need to have an out before you start to you can calculate it um this would be a little bit different um but it's 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 a fascinating question, and it uh, you know it 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 could lead to all sorts of weird and interesting places, um, which is why I I hate to break it to Peter, but unfortunately um, he's wrong in his assumption. The any puck that enters the net by definition registers as a shot on net. So even if it is an own goal, even if it's a team you know just 
winning the face off right back into their own net. Any scenario you can imagine, if the puck goes in, by definition, it is a goal, um, or it is, and it is a shot on net. So I, I, I don't see the the only scenario. As I'm saying this, the only scenario I can think of now is what happens on those incredibly rare automatic goal calls, where, for example, uh, you know, a guy stick. throws a stick, but you know what? Those only come into play when the goalie is pulled. So that right. couldn't impact a goalie's stats. What would it do to the team stats and, and that sort of thing? That I don't know, but I'm going to assume even that counts as a shot on net because the the, the NHL has basically defined um, that uh, I, I do not believe it's possible to have a shot on goal or to have a goal without a shot on goal. Certainly with a goaltender involved, I'd have to check on those automatic goals. One more email uh, from a listener. This is from Jeff in St. Louis. Jeff has written in at the athletic hockey show at gmail.com. I am a St. Louis Blues fan first, but I kind of also have a, a fandom a little bit for the Habs and the Rangers, partially due to their aesthetics. Great color scheme, classy logo, etc. However, other teams I find absolutely unappealing because of their jerseys, i.e., the Predators or Ducks. In fact, even though the Habs would uh, not beat the Devils, I would watch that game over a game involving the Ducks. Because, quite frankly, the jerseys match better. My question is, is this a legitimate position to have? How important do you think aesthetics are to sports in general? Jeff in St. Louis. I'll I'll answer his second question first. How important do I think aesthetics are? I'm notoriously uh, could not care less, for the most part, about uniforms, logos, color schemes. Uh, Certainly, anytime there's like... You know, you see people arguing about what a collar looks like or whether the stripe on the arm. Like, I don't even see this stuff. I've watched whole games and not realized that a team was like wearing an alternate jersey because I'm just like, yeah, look close enough. And I just, it just doesn't even register with me. Now, how legitimate is it to notice this stuff and to base your fandom on that? Honestly, why not? Is it any more illegitimate than the way that most of us do it, which is just the team that's closest to the town we grew up in you know the team that or the team that you know our mom or our dad cheered for or you know our grandparents cheered for and we just pick like virtually i won't say virtually nobody very few hockey fans if we're being honest choose their team you know it's it's usually just something that it's a choice that gets made for you or you're just you know you pick the local team or something uh, you know every now and then you'll hear you'll see somebody come in and go I'm a new hockey fan and I want to sit down and I want to really pick a team and and they'll weigh pros and cons and that sort of thing um the rest of us are just you know we're we're throwing darts at dartboards here so yeah this this feels to me as legitimate as any other um reason and hey at least you know if if you're picking based on whether the team is good, whether the players are good, whether you like the style or whatever, uh, that changes. That changes pretty quick. The uniform, you know, the aesthetics, uh, they change too, uh, probably more often than they should. Because the only, the, the one strong feeling I do have on on this stuff is I, I don't get why people didn't bugs me when a team like changes a uniform that they wore during their their best years, and you know, it's all the. I, I work too long in marketing. I know the nonsense that goes on on like let's just change something and make people buy it again. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to pick, you're going to like the the Habs because of their uniform, you're, you're probably going to have that stick around a lot longer than the, the best players on that team are. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's it. It's a fair point. Do you remember the NFL when they, on Thursday Night Football years ago, they went to that um, color rush? Yes. And do you remember the country? I want to say it was Bills and Jets. And the Bills wore like all red. The Jets wore all green. And then people that fall into that, uh, what is it, red, green, yep. colorblind Color spectrum, yeah. which is a lot bigger than I ever realized, mm-hmm. but they couldn't distinguish between the two teams. Yep. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and you know, people say, like, how come we don't see, you know, teams, uh, you know, uh, why is why is it always one team wearing white and one team wearing a dark? Why, why can't they both wear it? And it's, I mean, in the old days of black and white TV... You couldn't do that because you wouldn't be able to tell one team from another. There's there's yeah. all sorts of weird reasons for it. I, I don't, I mean, I don't get excited. For me, if everyone just went back to their the way their uniforms looked in like 1993 and just stuck with that permanently, I would be 100% fine with that. Um, but uh, other than that, I, I don't notice the little stuff. I don't, uh, I don't get too worked up uh, one way or another. Um, but if you do, 
Hey, uh, I mean, I, honestly, I, it, how legitimate is it? Not very, but as legitimate as anything else that, uh, that, we, that we use to pick our teams in this, uh, this dumb sports world. Okay, a little This Week in Hockey History to wrap up the Thursday pod. I want to do one thing, one thing only, kind of a two-parter with it. Uh, this week in 1979, Sean, this week in 1979, the NHL announced that it would be absorbing four teams from the WHA. The Edmonton Oilers, Quebec Nordiques, Winnipeg Jets, and the Hartford Whalers would be joining the NHL in the fall. Uh, four teams uh, hopping and essentially killing the, the, the WHA. Uh, the merger was completed for that season. First of all, so two things. First of all, how crazy is it? So this is in March. Mm-hmm. The NHL announces, hey, in about six months, we're adding four teams. Like, think about all the expansion we've had now. And usually yeah. you get a one, two, three years heads up. We're doing years it. and years and years you get for Seattle yeah. and Vegas. And six all months. Yeah. Hey, by the mm-hmm. way, in six months, we're adding four teams. It's it's crazy that it was in six months. And, you know, almost as crazy when they uh, when the Ducks and Panthers came in, they did that in less than a year. They announced expansion in December for the following season. I, it just absolutely crazy. I mean, that these days it's like you know, in six months they will tell us the name of the team, and then six months after that they will tell us the color of the team. And uh, yeah, I mean, to do it, and but back then, I mean, what you had a league collapsing, it was uh, there was no choice, but you had to do it quick. Um, and then the other thing that I, so I had no idea about this, okay? And I was doing some reading earlier today on, on that merger, WHA, NHL. And you got to remember, this was at the height of the Montreal Canadiens winning four consecutive Stanley Cups, right? Like they were in mm-hmm. the height of their uh, dominance. So I had no idea. And I'm, I was reading an article. And see, what I didn't realize is a lot of American teams were upset because the Habs didn't lose any players to the WHA. They kept that power. They kept the juggernaut together. And the American teams believed that the Habs were able to do this because only the three, like only the Canadian teams at the time were able to share the Hockey Night in Canada revenue. So at that time, it was only Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And they felt like the Canadian teams had an unfair economic advantage because Hockey Night in Canada was paying a lot of money and only the three Canadian teams kept it, so the Habs didn't have to worry about losing their star players. They could afford to keep them. So the NHL owners, the American ones, thought, you know what, if if we're going to expand, let's add Canadian teams and therefore it's going to, I guess, lessen the financial advantage that a team like Montreal had. And I never Mm -hmm. knew that until this week. It's fa- fascinating how things change. Eh? That uh, yeah. imagine imagine those U.S. owners pounding the table, going, "We gotta get you know Quebec, Edmonton, and Winnipeg. We're gonna double the size of of Canada's uh, national footprint." And it, was, and it was a bizarre. There there were so many strange things about that. It, to this day, if you sit down and go, you know, who holds the record for you know what sounds like a simple question? Who holds the record for best? this or that by an expansion team. You have to get into this gray area of were those actually expansion teams? Did they count? There was kind of an expansion draft because what happened is there had been players that, you know, my my NHL team owned the rights to this player, but he went and signed with the Oilers and the WHA. So now that they're coming back to the NHL, is he my player? Is he their player? And there were these weird reverse drafts of players going back and forth. It was was a complete, complete mess. And you know what? we dump on the guy a lot, but credit to John Ziegler for for managing that because he he actually got that through. And those four teams were, you know, obviously only one of them still exists uh, to this day, but they they all were reasonably successful, and the whole thing didn't go belly up. It was it yeah. was a weird time. No, absolutely okay. As we wrap up the pod, uh, we got a special Saturday uh, <laughs> podcast coming your way. It's going to drop Saturday, and if you've been reading the Athletic all week, Fight Week. Uh, some deep dives into the world of fighting, the past, the present, the future, all of that. Um, I know you're part of the, the Saturday pod, so just a, a chance to give you a little plug for that here before we uh, sign out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's been a, a real interesting week. I, I had a piece on Monday that I, I worked with, with Joe Smith and Rob Rossi on where we talked to, where they talked to a whole bunch of uh, uh, names that uh, were part of the various eras of fighting and, and got some... Um, you know some some very interesting insight and also some very you know, funny behind the scenes uh, stuff. Um, and there have been you know quite a few other pieces. Julian has a great one on uh, on hockeyfights.com, the website. Uh, 
there was uh, Dan had a piece on the the psychological toll that uh, this stuff took on uh, a lot of guys. Really interesting stuff, and and a few of us got together um, to uh, to talk it through, and and I I think that's uh, planned right now the for the weekend where uh, you're going to be able to hear that. Um, you know, a real interesting topic, something I know a lot of people have strong feelings in in both directions on. I've got a piece coming out early next week that uh, gets into you know some of uh, some of that, and uh, we'll kind of close out the series. But it's it's been really interesting stuff, and if you haven't seen it yet, uh, yeah, definitely please please check it out. Yeah, check it out on uh, on the site, and like you said, Saturday that roundtable discussion on fighting will drop uh, uh, in your podcast uh, wherever you uh, you get them. So uh, listen, this was a great episode. We want to thank everybody for listening to the Thursday edition of the. Show as always, we love hearing you uh, from you. Uh, email us the Athletic Hockey Voice Mail four five eighty four fifty nine, and right now you get a one year subscription to the Athletic for a dollar a month for twelve months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show.